Welcome to Making Bank, the show for Bankless DAO by Bankless DAO, where each week we highlight a project and a personality from inside the Bankless DAO. We want to showcase the work that we do and the people who do it. This is our story as we journey to become more bankless. If you want to learn more about what it is that we do, then just keep listening. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Making Bank. Hi, I'm Drost, and welcome to another episode of Making Bank. Today's guests are Samantha Marin and Brandon Nolte of Quorum. Sam and Brandon met over a year ago through Bankless Dow and quickly developed a rapport. They have since joined forces to form Quorum. Sam is part of the communications and growth team for Aragon, a framework for on-chain DAOs. She started her DAO journey in Bankless DAO as the talent scout for the Writers Guild. She started the Quorum newsletter in March and recently expanded it into a meta-label to include a podcast as well. Brandon is a serial entrepreneur and hosts the Quorum podcast, formerly Bounty Hunter. Quorum is a weekly show about what it's like to work in Web3 and DAOs, interviewing community builders, DAO contributors, and the best innovators in Web3. Welcome, Sam. Welcome, Brandon. Welcome to Making Bank. I am absolutely delighted to have you both on the show. This is a great opportunity for me to get a chance to chat with you both together. So again, welcome. Excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. Really excited to be here today. Great. Well, let's, like we do on Making Bank, start with a little bit of background on each of you. Maybe start with you, Sam, since you started with Bankless Dow. I don't know. I don't remember. Were you part of the Genesis group back in May of 2021, or did you join later? It seems like you joined just a little bit later, but you yeah. were part of that early Writers Guild group. Yeah, I was a little later. I kind of joined end of the summer, so a couple months after Genesis. I think it was in August. Yeah, I was part of the first like group in the Writers Guild. When I joined, it was still very small and just getting started. There were probably like five or six people in there. And yeah, I joined after I had been working at a Web2 startup. So that's my story that I tell about my entry into Web3. I got very excited when I learned about DAOs and just learned about how it was such more of a collaborative and shared ownership environment than in the Web2 startup world. So yeah, joined that back in August. Really loved working there. Um, started doing DAOs full-time in January, and then I joined Aragon in May. So I'm still at Aragon now. And then also doing the quorum stuff, which we'll get into in a little bit. Excellent. Thanks, Sam. And then also a little bit of your bio on the, I don't remember if it was on the quorum site or your own personal site about, you worked at a tech startup, a literary agency, a political campaign office, and a copywriting agency. So yeah. quite a varied, maybe later ask a little bit about the variations among all those different places. But yeah, pretty interesting journey that people take. All right, let's uh, maybe shift over to Brandon here, get to a little bit of your background, at least an intro journey here. You joined a bit later. You and I actually started working together probably, I think, when you joined Bankless Dow. It was right into the podcast hatchery. I think that was really where you spent all your time, wasn't it? Yeah, that's where I first ended up. So basically, to, to pull the curtains back just a little further from a historical perspective, I've been an entrepreneur for about 10 years, and like you mentioned, hosting the Quorum podcast, which helps people understand what it's like to work in Web3 and DAOs. And when we met, that was back in December of 2021, when I joined Bankless DAO for the first time. And 
that was really great because I got to meet you and Eureka John and Soundman and all the people from the podcast Hatchery Elemental. There's just so many great people who were there. And um, back then, I didn't know anything about DAOs. I just wanted to learn more about it and fumbled my way through with the help of you and a bunch of other people and was lucky enough to get a grant from Bankless DAO. And we can talk about the story about how I got the grant because it wasn't really a straight and narrow road, but was lucky to get the grant to fund the cost of the show. Since then, we've released over 30 episodes with some amazing guests with various DAO tools and community. And prior to that, I was bootstrapping a company called Healthy Hemp Oil, where we used blogging to help educate people on the power of CBD and ended up selling over $12 million worth of products in our eight-year lifespan of the company. So it was a great learning lesson for me. I really learned how to educate people on misunderstood and confusing topics like cannabis. And honestly, that's what excites me most about Web3 and DAOs is that it's so new and it's so confusing. And it's actually hard for people to understand what it's what's happening in the space. So I think it's right for people like yourself and for Sam and I to provide a helping hand and to just share what we've learned. And it's kind of a pass it down the lane model, right? If somebody helps you, you help somebody else. And that's really what I'm I'm here to do more of is just to help share what is working in DAOs and how they can help themselves and be a part of the industry. I think that's probably a pretty good jumping off point as to the genesis of Quorum Media and what its purpose is and to help people understand this emerging space and dispel some of those myths and really, I think, I'll steal what you said, Brandon, pull away the curtain a little bit as to what's really going on. And Sam, I don't know if I mentioned that, I think I did in the intro that you founded Quorum Media, and which we will just now refer to as Quorum, but we are in a new space and... There is a lot of misunderstandings. Sam, I read, I think it was just your most recent piece on Quorum, and I think you just posted it a couple days ago, and I don't have it up in front of me at the moment. Yeah, I can launch in. No, you're good. I can launch in on the founding of Quorum. Just go, I'll dive right into that. So yeah, I started the Quorum newsletter back in March. So it hasn't been quite a year. It's been like eight months, I guess, that I've been writing it. And I started it so that I could have essentially just one place to put all of my writing because I was writing all over the place a little bit, Medium and Mirror and Substack and everything was sort of scattered. So I wanted to really condense everything to one place where I could advance ideas and opinions and insights on my experience working in the DAO space. So I started publishing a couple times a month on that and was really enjoying it and was just trying to keep things going. Wasn't totally sure what my next step with with it was going to be. But Brandon and I did a podcast collaboration, which is coming out over the course of these next couple weeks. Two or three have already been released. So it's our Dow Toolkit series, which is just short kind of bite-sized episodes. So Most of them are under 30 minutes or maybe around 20 minutes where we essentially just dive into different topics in the DAO space that contributors can learn from. So for example, we talk about how to cultivate your focus in the DAO space and how to get feedback in the DAO space. So it's more informational and we really enjoyed the collaboration together and we kind of realized that we were trying to do basically the exact same thing 
but with different mediums. So I was writing about the DAO space and exploring the DAO space. He was podcasting about the DAO space and interviewing people in the DAO space. So it's kind of like we're trying to hit the same target market at the risk of sounding too Web2 marketer right now. (laughs) We're trying to hit the same target market, trying to reach that audience and kind of advance similar opinions and ideas. So we were like, why don't we just start working together? So that was the where that collaboration came from. But then the other piece was that doing a traditional media company didn't feel quite right. We could have done something like what Bankless HQ has, right? They have a newsletter and a podcast. But we were looking to do something that allowed more creative autonomy and more kind of ability to own your own creative niche and not necessarily have control over other people's niches. So that's where we landed on the metal label. And I'll I'll let Brandon add more as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great catch up to now. And to dial back just a little bit, I think, yeah, so Sam and I actually... Sam was the like one of the first people that I I actually met and we tell the story of that on this recent episode called Making Connections. It was just a a great introduction to the DAO space and from there we had an interview directly on Quorum podcast which was previously Bounty Hunter and then we did this DAO toolkit and so now we were like Sam said we've got all this going on we're both trying to talk to the same people um where can we take this from here? I happened to come across Yancey Strickler on a podcast. I think it was on the Other Side podcast with Chase Chapman. And I started digging into some of his stuff because I was like, he's saying some really interesting things around how so much of the crypto space is like hyper-financialized. And to me, I know to Sam too, at least to some degree, that we're not we're definitely not super interested in DeFi and like all the ways that extra ways you can make money on things like what we were driven to do and to contribute to by passion was the new ways to collaborate in the space, including DAOs and other tools that enable DAOs like NFTs and stuff. Anyway, to to cut a long story short, I heard about Yancey Strickler. He started talking about this concept called MetaLabel, and I read a blog post that talks basically about how a MetaLabel is something that kind of harks back to the day when these punk music artists couldn't get their own label, a record label to dis- to find distribution for themselves. And so what they did was they actually banded together and they created their own label, one that allowed them to have the freedom to create however they want, right? Nobody had to, nobody told them like, hey, you could only create this kind of music because that's what's going to sell. They just made what they wanted to make and they released it on their own. So in some way, Yancey is, he's branding this concept from a book that he read. So here's this pass it down the line theme again. But the meta label concept was something that instantly struck me and I shared it with Sam. And Sam, you were like, yes, heck yes. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think we we both were like, this feels right for what we're trying to do in this new space. We both have the autonomy to own the channels that we are passionate about. And it's a way for us to collaborate and share resources like sponsorships, maybe in the future, it's editors and other marketing materials and stuff. The possibilities are endless, but it allows us to collaborate in new ways that isn't necessarily the traditional startup and raise capital way. 
Yeah, you know, we talk about DAOs and we joke that it's not really decentralized, it's not very autonomous and not very organized, quite frankly. And so <laughs> yep. trying to find our way in this space, find out what works, what doesn't, and then exploring these new organizational structures. And, you know, we've said on this show, I believe it's the one with I Speak Nerd, but we talked a lot about the nine financial uses of crypto and, and that people's entry tends to be the financial side, but then you start looking at all these other ways of incentivizing. And we talk also about retroactive public goods funding. All those things are starting to emerge as buzzwords in this space that the popular media, you still don't hear that. I mean, we all talk about Gitcoin and public goods and retroactive public goods funding and all these big phrases. And we need to unpack those phrases. I think those are some good phrases, but like DAO, I'm still not convinced that's the word we're going to end up on. And so like this meta label concept, it's really kind of a decentralized concept. You know, each artist, each creator wants to do their own thing and have some kind of an umbrella, almost like um, Sam, you may be more familiar with this being in a production shop where you, or in a media shop where you have shared services. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I, in college, I worked at a literary agency. So a lot of writers had the same agent who would reach out to publishers for them. There's a whole legal side to that and a whole compliance side and getting your book translated in different languages and stuff. I think there are some meta-label inspiration we can take from certain elements of the traditional publishing world, but I'm like super critical <laughs> of <laughs> traditional media. Um, I've written about that a lot, but well, yeah, yeah I read your piece sure. on your disillusionment, and it's linked out from your, your most recent piece. You were just talking about what is it? Here it is. It's ba the internet ba comparing <laughs> oh, early yeah. internet and crypto journalism, and it's pretty funny because I actually remember some of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the title of one of the articles is the internet exclamation point and then bah. And so I think that also the title. That was like from 1985 in like Time magazine or something Amazing. like that. He had some crazy predictions. He said the inter the he said in 1995, he said the whole internet would collapse by 1996. So I thought that was that was pretty wild. I had well, that one in the article as well. Well, what's really interesting, though, is, I mean, Bob Metcalf basically invented mm -hmm. Ethernet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's why it was so crazy, honestly. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it just goes to show that even the smartest people of the time, they may not necessarily see the piece. He recognized the video was going to be huge. So yeah, there's no way that TCPIP is going to support video and da, 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 and all that stuff. But no, I, I loved your piece and I loved the stuff you pulled out of the Internet Archive. Just really fun stuff there. But I'm digressing a little bit. Shared services, meta label. As an individual creator, you do need all these other pieces. And it's really hard to do that as an individual. There's a podcaster that I've been listening to for years that's been doing his podcast, I think, weekly for 10 years or something. And, and then cut back more recently. And he just finally said, I can't do it anymore. He just he has to do everything himself from the mm. recording and editing to the marketing and publishing and promoting himself and getting the guests and all that stuff. So I like the idea of Quorum, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I'll say that th there is an overlap here, like MetaLabel meta -label is a term, but there's a lot of overlap with DAOs in general. And one of the reasons why I wanted to release a podcast with the DAO initially was because of these kind of same reasons. I was thinking to myself, I could do the Web2 version where I build it myself, I try to outsource various things, I try to get the funding, I try to learn all these new skills, but I actually know nothing about podcasting. So what if I joined 
this DAO, this media DAO, and I joined the podcast hatchery and I learned from people. And that's what I did. And the community, I was gracious enough that you, Drost, and other people in the community were very supportive and were able to help lift me up a little bit from various things. And I, I think something similar happens in the meta label too, right? It's one plus one is not just two. It's more than that because you're able to share resources and learn from each other and grow together. It's much easier than going about it alone. Right, right. And you talk, we've talked before about cohorts as well. And I think, isn't that one of the way, I think that's the way you two met. Weren't you in a cohort and you went on like a, or you went on a quote, I, Sam, you refer to it as, a, and I'm stealing the thunder kind of from this other episode you guys did on your own show <laughs> and that yeah sam maybe you can tell that one yeah from your perspective yeah yeah what's funny about it, though when i first started listening to him like field trip they went somewhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll tell this story <laughs> it felt like a field trip okay so i'll start at the beginning we had in the writers guild um we had every or it was twice a week it was very often we had a prominent writer and podcaster adam davidson he was coming in and doing these really great sessions with us and they were mostly writing focused but we dove into some kind of narrative things that would be related to podcasting and i remember sharing this in the podcast hatchery and saying hey you guys should stop by this guy made planet money like you, you can learn some stuff from him brandon had started stopping by to these sessions and it was mostly writers and brandon <laughs> i think it's basically all writers <laughs> and, <Brandon>. um, <laughs> and then one day instead of we were just having the sessions in discord in a voice channel very much the classic dow anon situation no cameras on like very casual and super fun um but one day we had a field trip so adam was speaking at another event and he basically just invited us he just sent us a zoom link and he said hey i'm gonna be speaking at this event running these workshops instead of doing a session today so if you guys want to come you're invited and a whole bunch of us went and we flooded the event. I think it was mostly Bankless DAO people, actually, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Like the ratio. We were an online flash mob. We were. It was like 60% Bankless DAO, which was And this awesome. was all organized and by Sam. You have <laughs> yeah. planted the flag. This is what was hilarious. Yeah, you yeah. like planted the flag. You're like, we're doing this. And then, <laughs> uh, yeah, you got a bunch of people to just jump on this call. Yeah, with all these people who had no idea what DAOs or Web3 was. And we just <laughs> showed up. Oh, wow. Um, so the Planet Money folks didn't, they weren't in this space at all. And you just kind of crashed It was, the thing. <laughs> that was, Planet Money was his background. He was speaking to more like web to media creator people. It was more of like, like a narrative workshop focused more on like traditional media. So yeah, right. we totally crashed it. It was hilarious. Mm. But yeah, everyone was super chill and it was fun. And then we had to do these kind of breakout rooms and Brandon and I got put in a breakout room together and it was very like active. I think we, I don't even remember exactly what we had to do, but it was very like, you're participating in this workshop. Everyone had their cameras on. I feel like I got to know the other people in that workshop really well. Also, Brandon, did you feel that way too? Like everyone that had their cameras on and was participating, totally. like we were kind of getting to know people. Um, yeah. 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 I think the prompt was like, tell a story, right? It's like seemingly oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. simple 
And yet the way that he likes to teach is he'll let you try it first and fumble and fumble. So we were all stepping on, is me especially, stepping on my own toes. And then he would like course correct us and give us some feedback. We would go back into the breakout rooms and Sam and I would try again. And that kind of went on for however long the meeting was. But yeah, it was eye-opening because it, it is hard. It's hard to tell a good story that's engaging, but that's what he was good mm-hmm. at. Yeah, those yeah. breakout, those cohort sessions, the breakout rooms. Um, I, I'll just tell you a brief story. I had taken a digital storytelling class. This is a while ago at a community college in another where I lived elsewhere. And I ended up then teaching at the community college. But the point was, is this digital storytelling class. It was, they did the first half where you basically sit around in like a story circle and you'd bring something that meant something. You use it just to hold on to it, to anchor your story to the thing you were talking about. And so we'd use it to explore stories about, and it was, God, that thing actually turned into a bit of a therapy session, but then it's okay. People explore things that maybe they didn't realize they needed to explore. And, uh, and so anyway, they spend the first part really pulling out these stories from people and being in a supportive environment to try and draw these out. And then they'd take the second half where we'd be basically in the lab and and pulling all the pieces together between doing learning people learning how to do voiceover or they had a couple of recording studios where you could go in and get nice audio treatment and then bring that into your project. And that was really cool. And you learn from other people. You see their project that they're working on and doing really creative stuff. And then maybe people that were a little more technical. That's why I ended up, I was going around and helping people with their computer stuff. And I ended up teaching in class after that. But it was just really great having that, that, those creative juices working together in the same room and people coming from a different point of view, different discipline. And you learn more that way. I think who was it that was saying that, oh, this has been said in various places, but when you bring in an interdisciplinary approach to things, you can accelerate. And that's where new ideas come from because Mm -hmm. you bring, you do these permutations that weren't thought of before. Anyway, I digressed a little bit, but but it just reminds me of how valuable that is working together and going through a cohort, going through a somewhat of a structured process and learning how to work together and give each other good feedback as well. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very meta label esque concept also being able to work together creatively. Whereas in the creator economy as it exists today, everyone is on their own. It's very much a solo game. You're not creating with others. You're not getting feedback from others. You are playing this zero-sum game of trying to get more attention or trying to be one of the Substack publications that people are willing to pay for. And how many Substack publications are people really going to pay for? Like trying to beat out others. Whereas in a meta-label environment, we imagine it will be a lot more collaborative and a lot more focus on growing the brand as a whole and everyone within it rather than this kind of zero-sum game. So more of an all-ships-rise kind of environment is the goal. Yeah, that's a big challenge, I think, globally on many fronts. And one of the things we want to talk about is where your longer-term vision of Quorum is. And then what, and I think this starts to talk about what some of the problems are that we're really trying to solve in the space and what you're trying to achieve through Quorum Media. And and I also saw that I wanted to ask you, Sam, actually, what got you interested in Dow governance? And I had, I just wanted to grab a quote here from what you had said about what you were trying to accomplish. And you said, you aim to deliver 401 level Dow content with Quorum. And my question to you is actually, what do you consider to be 401 level content? So 
That, this is a multi-headed question. I apologize for dumping it all on you. So Brandon, feel free to jump in when it makes sense. But so yeah, there's problems you're trying to solve in the space. And then you're trying to offer this kind of high level, pretty advanced view of working with these things. So maybe we can jump off from there. And maybe you can unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I can start with the 401 level. That was the old website header before I changed to the Quorum meta label header. And I still, I still follow that vision in my own writing. So that's 100% still relevant. So in, I'll give just a quick set the baseline. So in American colleges, there are 101 level courses. So if you're taking a course that starts with a one in front, it's probably very basic, very beginner. If you're taking a two, 201 level, that's probably the next step up. 301 level, you're getting pretty high. You're deep into your major. You are taking niche classes that maybe people outside of your major wouldn't be taking. And then when you get to 401, the 400 level is the highest level of undergrad classes, most American colleges. So when I started the newsletter, I wanted to write articles that were really geared toward that more DAO native audience. So the idea was that I'm not teaching you what a DAO is. I'm not giving you the very basic information because you can find that in so many other great places right now. Rabbit hole and things like Coinbase Earn. And there's so many ways to get the kind of this beginner information. We do a lot of this. Bankless Academy. Exactly. Yeah. We do a lot of this at Aragon too, which is my nine to five. We do a lot of what is the DAO? What is composability? What is decentralized? Like we do a lot of that kind of content, but I didn't want to do that with Quorum. I wanted it to be for people who are deep into the DAO space and really trying to advance DAOs and grow them and make them the future of work. So that was the idea with that original header. I know the 401 terms was a little confusing for people out of the US. So I realized that that needed to go. But yeah, that was the original goal. I think that could change a bit as the metal label grows. I think it would be more like we'd maybe onboard a creator who's really good at doing that specific like 101 level content or something. So yeah, yeah, that, that's the idea behind that. What were your other questions? <laughs> oh, just what, what are some of the problems that you hope to solve here? Oh, yes. Adding value? How is this going to be different? You talked about some of the challenges in Web2 spaces. And then there was that, I don't want to get into too much of the early writing, but just about being disillusioned by trad businesses. You have this impression of this entity maybe you'd like to work for, this industry you'd like to be in. And you spend all the time doing all, going through, getting a degree and everything. And then, and actually I actually had a bit of this myself, I didn't, not quite the same as you, but you spend all this time getting a degree in something and then you go and you think you're going to go work for this organization with the, with the marble columns and the shiny floors and the mahogany tables and feeling all, all uh, fancy. And you find out that it's a gate-kept world. You're going to start at the bottom. You may never get anywhere. And like you had said with, I don't know if it was the New Yorker magazine, but that they don't, didn't do, they didn't put out any job, job ads anymore, job applications yeah. anymore, because they only hired their friends and people they knew. And so how the hell are you supposed to get a start in anything if, if the only people getting hired are friends of friends? Yeah, yeah. And that, that really wraps into my 
slight disillusionment. I feel like disillusionment is such a strong term, but I'm going to keep using it. <laughs> disillusionment with Web2 media. Just to take a break on that for a minute, I'm mm-hmm. being pretty critical here. But And the reality is, it's like anything. You want to work or do business or it's even you go to a party, you bring three different groups of people together and they all go into their own little groups and hang out in there and not necessarily clicks, but they go gravitate to the people they know unless you do some kind of a party game to mix things up and get people to introduce to each other and say, hey, Bob, did you know that um, Jasmine here is also interested in archaeology? That kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is very specific. In her free time, does archaeology. <laughs> But what I'm getting, what am I getting at? Yeah, but we do make connections. It's these personal connections. But when we're all remote anymore, and you don't necessarily mm-hmm. meet people at the gym or at some mixer. That's you know, it's how do you do that anymore? Uh, how do people meet? And the bar, I never liked the bar scene, even yeah. But how do you meet people? And how do you? It's through online communities, basically. Exactly. I think that's been the theme of this episode, and also a big thread within internet and web three projects the serendipity of me meeting sam in a discord because she wanted to talk to the planet money guy and i also wanted to talk to the planet money guy that's random it's really it's really random but it afforded us a chance to meet otherwise we wouldn't have and fortunately i'm grateful for that kind of serendipitous outcome that's one of the greatest parts about DAOs is that they offer this huge playground for you to jump in and jump out of different contexts and different chats around any sort of topic that you want there's a whole rabbit hole there in terms of will you be productive can you get anything done if you're constantly jumping down these rabbit holes but that's one of the biggest benefits truly it's just the people that you can meet and I think that's one of the great reasons why DAOs will be popular in the future is that it allows for a greater permissionlessness to for people to jump in and jump out of work, whereas now there's a lot of gatekeepers. So Sam and I met, we hit it off from a, a professional perspective, and we're excited to collaborate more. And now we have something going that we'll see where it goes. And I think that's going to be the story for a lot of creators moving forward. Yeah. You mentioned about gatekeepers. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on. So there's a thought on gatekeepers and it has to do with token voting. I know there's been some concern about token weighted voting. And as people earn more in an organization and suddenly they have all this voting power. And I know this has been an issue in various places. There's some concerns raised and this is starting to happen at Bankless DAO. And I look at myself, I've accumulated quite a few tokens. And so when I vote on a snapshot proposal, I have to be a little careful because I feel like I, it's, it's, has a little more weight now and i'm trying to be very cognizant of what i'm doing and everybody can see how you vote on chain and i've had it thankfully had an opportunity to talk with a lot of folks and see some of the work they've done so if you end up with people who've been around a long time and accumulate a lot more tokens i can see how that can happen and even though we're trying to prevent it it the structure is not such that it's that it's naturally preventing then the other piece i wanted to touch on which was the fact that there isn't any gatekeeping and that you can jump in and do anything you want, there's no guardrails. You can go off the ditch and completely roll over, have a rollover accident and, and nobody else will ever see you again. And we've seen this happen. People ghost, they come in all gung-ho and get involved in too many things and then ghost. Or if they're having any other issues that have to do with mental focus or the ability to say no to things. This space makes it very difficult if you have any of those challenges. If you're just working independently at your computer and you're trying to 
navigate this work style, that's difficult. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. And I apologize if I speak out of turn, but I think that might be part of what Quorum seeks to address, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it is such an amorphous, open thing. It can be scary in that way and that it's too open. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, Quorum does, we want to put those guardrails in place to a certain extent. So I think you're totally right about the DAO space is, I've heard the analogy, it's like soup on the floor that needs a container Uh or else you can't get any of it. Or that's my favorite, also a, a plant that maybe the, it's not in the right size pot, so it can't grow correctly. Maybe it's too small, too constrained, or the soil is spread all over. Yeah, the Dow space is too wide in that sense. But then with a meta label, we want to onboard creators more in a kind of bespoke way. So in a more curated and I guess intentional would be the word. I guess we can get into our future vision for Quorum a bit and ideas for a roadmap, but eventually- yeah, As we, much as you're willing to share, you know, intentionality. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we um we want to expand the meta label beyond me and Brandon creating, right? So we want to add more creators who are shipping high quality work about DAOs in whatever medium works for them. Maybe they're making YouTube videos. Maybe they are- also writing a newsletter. Maybe they're also making a podcast. And we will give more of those guardrails because we are focused on our mission to make doubts the future of work for more people. Giving a little bit more constraints, I find, is really helpful when just building a project in general. Great. Yeah. To answer your question in a different way, if Bankless DAO is full decentralized and Web2 product X is fully centralized, work somewhere in between. At least that's how I see it. There's Mm -hmm. some selectiveness when it comes to who we work with, but that doesn't mean that nobody can come in. I think I first experienced this when I was in the, this was Forefront. I went into the Forefront community and the way that they bring in people is through a, they have community calls like Bankless DAO, but they have a core team that is on a salary, which I I think might be different from how Bankless DAO rolls. But anyway, they basically have a little bit more of a filter on who they're bringing onto the team. And in some ways, that's really nice. Like they're able to be very selective to make sure that the creators will work for them long time. Again, some of the biggest issues in this space is, like you said, people jumping in, taking on too much, getting burnt out and just churning, right? Like I think we've seen that contributors the contributors helping to grow a community and a product can work, but there has to be some guidance and support from the community in order to do it effectively. And even then, there's still a lot of churn and turnover that happens that is just kind of part of the natural process of things. So I think what's nice kind of about the meta label concept is we're just looking to plant a flag and say, hey, this is what we care about. We're going to keep shipping on this stuff. And we want to connect with other people in the space who think the same thing. So to circle back to your other point about how you meet people, like, I think this is a very Web3 way to meet more people, right? We're just both very passionate about this space and wanting to create content for DAO creators, DAO builders, and DAO contributors. And in doing so, I think we 
we will probably meet more people who want to do the same. I'm curious if you would add anything to that, Sam. Oh, I really like that. Um, yeah, I see metal labels as a way for organizations to play more freely on the decentralization spectrum, on the on-chain spectrum. I don't think a metal label has to necessarily have an on-chain instance where you are using cryptocurrencies and things like that. I think metal labels just give you more of that freedom. I like to think of it in the context of writing, because that's my background, of course. Metal labels can float around between the New Yorker on one end and Substack on the other. They can be more open and collaborative and open to new creators than something like the New Yorker. The goal with the playing on the, the axes of content, as I like to think of them. Love that. The axes of content. Something occurred to me earlier, I didn't want to interrupt, and this was actually very early in our conversation, and Brandon, you had said that, and, and Sam, I know you've done writing before, and oh, there is, so there are two topics here. One is, now that we're starting to get our, our voices and our writing out there, and some of us are fully documented or doxxed, and others are not, I'm still laying on, but I plan on going to East Denver, or down Denver in, in I think it's February. And I want to go to some other events. I want to meet people. And I remember interviewing, when I interviewed Perchy, and this was before Permissionless. And he was just upfront about it. He goes, look, I want to make friends. I want to meet people. Come talk to me. Say hi. <laughs> I'm going to be at Permissionless. And we published that episode before Permissionless. And he just had a great time. And I think sometimes we're sitting behind our screen. It's hard to remember. We do remember because those of us that are working closely with others, you do develop this relationship through the mic and the screen. And even then turning on your cameras once in a while. And But man, once you get a chance to get together an event after hours and just hang out and just shoot the shit. Yeah, that's fun stuff. And uh, we're real people. The press likes to portray ourselves all these shadowy folks. We're just regular folks. I'm just an AI bot. I don't know about you. AI oh, bot. no. Well, <laughs> I started a meta label with an AI bot. <laughs> that's a sad ending to a story. Oops. That's funny. We have a range. I think we have quite a range of background here, Sam, with your writing. And then Brandon, the other point I wanted to make, Brandon having actually started several companies, and then I have a bit of a history in the computer industry and, and working for some couple of big companies there. But And that was a number of years ago. But Brandon, you had never podcasted before. This just kind of hit me. You enter, you say, oh, I'm going to enter this DAO space. And oh, what am I going to do? Yeah, I never tried podcast. <laughs> I think I'll join the podcast hatchery. And oh, by the way, I've never podcasted before. And I never really even thought about it. <laughs> I mean, is that really, am I paraphrasing incorrectly there? No, that's about right. Yeah. I, I think just to that point, that is one of the reasons why I love DAOs. Like, my favorite examples are like people coming in with like being a lawyer as a background and just actually being passionate about marketing. Like you can make that switch happen within DAOs that allow that flexibility and the ability to go and try new stuff. So with Bankless DAO, I listened to the community call that first week that I was in there. I listened to 40 different podcasts. I heard somebody talk about this podcast hatchery, which in my mind was like an accelerator of sorts for podcasting. I was like, wow, that sounds awesome. That's where I want to be. And I guess I just got lucky and I jumped in. But yeah, I think for me, it was the DAO was, DAOing was an excuse to do something new. 
and I wanted to leverage my previous skill sets as well with my marketing background and doing content marketing to do something net new and just it to me it's more of like a lateral move than a complete thing out of left field but on the surface I can see how it sounds kind of wild <laughs> yeah yeah and then Sam I kind of want to uh, we're coming up on an hour here but I want to just dig into the, this piece a little bit here and Sam mm-hmm. in one of your articles you'd written that you work in a crypto household you and your husband both work in crypto and that um, it's awkward when you said you've even gotten into awkward conversations on ski lifts and <laughs> at the farmer's market and stuff and it's mm-hmm. like and you kind of look at each other and it's uh, we work in tech but so there's two pieces of that one is just that conversation around friends and stuff oh what are you working on oh I'm working in blockchain web3 crypto oh And then the other piece, which is Brandon, you've got a young one, which you've mentioned a few times on your pod. And I don't know if, and again, this is getting a little personal here, but I don't know if I don't think your spouse works or your significant other works in crypto. And what's that like when you're working in this space and maybe if your spouse isn't involved, I'm just curious how that, because Sam, your your partner is, and Mm -hmm. Brandon, I don't know if yours is or not. And so I'm just curious what that feels like. (laughs) <laughs> trying to work in this space and also communicate it in both inside and outside the household and say, no, this is a real deal. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'll be the first to say that I'm, I feel very grateful that I have a wife who's supportive of my unconventional career choices. And that goes as far back as when we met, like almost seven years ago at this point, when I was running a cannabis company back in the day. Um, it was even less, even more taboo than it is today. And honestly, when I started that company initially back in 2014, my parents literally thought I was a drug dealer and were oh very gosh. concerned. Yes. This is, <laughs> imagine them trying to tell their friends, like, what's Brandon doing for business? Now, I'll have you know, I was selling CBD. It was non-psychoactive. We didn't sell any nicotine. And I explained this all to them. But Again, this is, I guess, maybe where I just feel like I fit in. It's these spaces that are underappreciated and they're confusing to navigate. But there's a lot of value here, right? It, just because it's new and unheard of and confusing, I feel like there's potential to break through that those myths and those concerns and actually tell it like it is. And so that's what I tried to do with my previous company, Healthy Hemp Oil. I feel like that's what we're doing with Quorum. And to tie back to your question, my wife is very supportive of my work here in the crypto space, although bank token doesn't pay the bills these days. So that's a whole nother question. All right. Thanks for that, Brian. I appreciate that. And Sam, with you, what about your crypto household? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really yeah. curious about that. I call it a crypto household. So yeah, my my boyfriend and I are both in the crypto space full time, like all the time. So he's actually the one who got me into crypto, I have to say. We didn't just meet and we're somehow magically both working in Web3. He got me into it. He's on the uh, security side more. And it's definitely interesting. So whenever we meet someone new or just having a casual conversation, always we're big skiers. So it always happens on a ski lift because you're on this little metal seat for maybe (laughs) five minutes with two other strangers. It's always, what do you do for work kind of thing? And sometimes we tell them we work in crypto. We don't usually say crypto because that word has such a strong connotation. It's usually something like, oh, have you heard of the blockchain? Very trying to be intellectual like that. (laughs) Sometimes we just say 
we work in tech, like he'll say security, I'll say something like marketing or communications. And then, yeah, sometimes I, if they really push a little deeper, I'll say something about secure voting, which technically is what Aragon does, but it sounds ridiculous when I say that, because <laughs> what is that? So yeah, it's awkward. It's strange. Sometimes people are really receptive to it. I've talked about stable coins with people on a first meet before, but sometimes things can get a little awkward and a little testy. They'll say, oh, you work in that Dogecoin industry or something. So yeah, you have to feel it out. It's definitely a, a weird experience, I'd say, both of us being in crypto, but it makes holidays very interesting, I will say, <laughs> when we're with each other's families and we both, we're both in the space full time. Yeah, I appreciate you both sharing that. And I touched on it for a reason. And that reason is that we are in an emerging industry that is misunderstood. And with that comes, like you had said, Brennan, it's very exciting. But when things are confusing, when the general public doesn't it's not even on the radar. That's where opportunity lies. And not everything is going to be opportunity. Go look at the dot, dot com crash and all those companies that just disappeared overnight. And we see the same thing here. And this is just the nature of tech. And the fact that money's involved and it's a financialized programmatic model just makes it that much more challenging because of all the nefarious things that are out there. And that's true of any anything that involves money, you know, whether, it's a, whether it's a Ponzi on the street, whatever the games are that they play on the street to separate people from their money, it's no different. It's just automated now and um, written in code. I think it's instructive, especially Sam, with what you wrote about looking back at some of those early takes on the internet and where it may or may not go. And then even people in the business that were very knowledgeable and knew about the underlying architecture and what its capabilities were still were off the mark with where the direction went. And so there's going to be some false starts. There's going to be some paths we go down that end up being dead ends. And so it all comes back, I think, to making those connections with people, training your brain to be resilient, to be more plastic. I don't want to get on my soapbox too much, but I think when things are uncertain, it, it makes people want to go toward those that claim they have the answers. And I think that's part of where we've had some problems in politics is these people come out and they say, oh, I can fix everything. And people want to believe that. And I think so when working in this space and we go down some paths that maybe don't pan out or we learn something that is a big life lesson <laughs> and hopefully doesn't cost a lot, but good life lessons, meeting great people and learning what to avoid. I think these are all good life lessons and good lessons for interacting with with people and being able to navigate as we move into a more rapidly changing environment, whether it's AI, all these things that are happening, very rapid evolution in that stuff, and being able to adapt to it quickly and not completely flip out with your hair on fire running down the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, AI, AI does make me flip out sometimes with my hair on fire <laughs> running down the street, I will say. Yeah, that is slightly terrifying. But yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying about like, we're going to have stops and starts. We're going to have a lot of failed experiments we already have in the DAO space. And we're going to find our way forward so that in 20 years, someone else will be writing an article about how crypto was covered at this time and how ridiculous it was because of the old takes that were made. So I look forward to that day. 
Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah it's fun to collect those. Which are the artifacts we need to collect? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Sam and Brandon. And I am super excited for Quorum Media. And when you made that big announcement a few weeks ago about joining forces, uh, I just I was super excited about it because I love you both. And I know this is just going to be that much better. I mean, you're both doing great independent work and now joining forces and with all the contacts you've got and the ethos, it's really, really great. Is there anything you wanted to touch on before we wrap up? Any topics, anything that maybe bubbled up in your mind or you want to make sure people know before we wrap here? Sam? Probably not. No, I'm good. I was just going to say, if anybody out there is listening and and this stuff sounds interesting to you. If you've, you're still listening to this point, Sam and I are pretty open with our DMs. If you want to message us, you can check us out. I'm sure, Drost, you've got some show notes for Twitter handles and stuff. Yep. And Sam's got an excellent newsletter. I would mm-hmm. highly suggest reading if you want some in-depth information on DAOs. And yeah, I just want to thank you so much for having us on. Thank you both. This has been a pleasure. And I'm a little bit sad, Sam, that you are at Aragon because that means you're not full-time at Bankless Dow anymore. And, no, um, yeah. <laughs> you are a force of nature. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> you are quite highly respected. I know this. <laughs> I'm not even in the Writers Guild, but the word gets around. And you just have such a, a great way about you and the way you've onboarded so many people as the talent coordinator in the Writers Guild during your tenure at Bankless Dow. I'll toot your horn for you because it is really outstanding. And you oh, have thank given you. so much. And it is so great to finally have a chance to chat with you. So yeah. Yeah, this was so fun. Yeah, thank you for having us on. Yeah, this, this was just great. Excited to hear it after. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. This has been Making Bank, a production of Bankless DAO. If you'd like to learn more about Bankless DAO, please visit bankless.community on the web for more information and how to get started. And of course, if you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcast platform.